is this? Ah, the French. For what reason? What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? I'm here, Papa! Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. First listen to the animal man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. My wife hated me being a firefighter. We were divorced nine months later. If you don't mind my saying, I don't like your attitude one bit. Inspired. Six times I've now ruined my whiskey. I'm here, Ray. Well, I'm under what? I just want to do whatever serves the corporation best. Good night, Mr. Winterson. Good night. Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. From a private car at the top of the Ferris wheel at the Smogville World's Fair, this is World Champion Podcast. I am one of your talkers, Brighton SLC. And I am the other talkerino, that's Sean Black. We are two gentlemen who signed a bad contract to become the official podcast of the mysterious Smogville World's Fair. Our job is simple, to create the greatest podcast of all time. Now, trapped in a private Ferris wheel with no hope of escape, we must talk the only things we know how. Fringe and forgotten pop culture, mysterious mysteries, Music, mini, movie, videos, heavy metal, wrestling, public television. That's that's it. Right. You threw me. You threw a curveball by calling us talkers, and then I wanted to add to that. But all I did is talk like Ned Flanders. <laughs> I called us Tacarinos. Tacarinos. That does not sound cool. That sounds like either some kind of Mexican des- like dessert, or no, not even dessert, like little finger food. It does, but not even authentic. It, like a place oh, like yeah. Chili's or right. yeah, yeah, Chevy's yeah. or something. Yes, totally. It's it's going to be chain restaurant, uh, t- little rolled tacos with some kind of silly sauce on them. <laughs> That's not what I was going for. Was, guy I was very go- donkey sauce. I was yeah. I was going for more badass, like yeah. two badasses. But but Tacarinos is not the right it one. It could have been that back in the fifties, you know, when the name like Pony Boy was considered badass. <laughs> It could be that Tacarino was, was a badass thing. Like, Do you know, it's never occurred to me. Who that, you calling a Tacarino? It's, it's never occurred to me that, that Pony Boy is not a cool name until just now. No, that's what, that's why I laughed. Wow, it really is dorky. Pony Boy. You got to watch out for these gang members. There's some, there's some gang members around. One of them is named Pony Boy. <laughs> what, are the, what are the rest of them called? Um, I don't know, because I've always called him Tom Cruise and, yeah. and like... Uh, See uh, Thomas Howell, yeah, well, Patrick Swayze. See Thomas Howell, I've never called him that. I, I usually call him uh, Soul Man. <laughs> I was going to say Soul Man, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know his real See Thomas Howell. Sounds like a werewolf name. Uh, and then we got the Karate Kid, right? Yeah. He's the one that, that gets horribly burned. Yeah, he's, uh, uh, I can't remember. It's Karate Kid. Yeah, no, but I can't remember what his name is. Ralph Macchio? Is no, right? his name in the, in the show. Oh, it's or in the book. It's, it's gonna movie. be like like slick. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Matt Dillon is Dally. Oh, Ralph Macchio is Johnny Cade. That's pretty cool. Johnny Cade. That sounds like Mortal Kombat. That yeah. is cool. Patrick Swayze is Derry, short for Daryl. Derry. Yeah, that's that's like Tacarino. Uh, Emilio Estevez, Two Bit Matthews. That's pretty good. <laughs> and Rob Lowe is Soda Pop. That's cool though. Soda Pop doesn't sound tough, but it sounds cool. Pony Boy sounds like he's just got a weird shaped body, and that's why they call him that. <laughs> well, now uh, you know you go to Comic Con, there's going to be Pony Boys everywhere. They call them Bronies now. Oh yeah, I heard about them. Mm-hmm. Real big perverts. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get to some uh, Smogville news. I think. Yeah, following up on last week, I know you're all on the edge of your seat about the mayoral election between incumbent 
screwy McDuck, Max Duck, Max Duck, Mexi Duck. That's also the Mayor Duck. knows it with Mexi Duck sauce. <laughs> no, it's, it's Mayor Duck. Yes, Mayor Duck, and uh, Zephyr the pig, the the upstart challenger. We had lost the ballots last week. They have been recovered. They have been found. All of them. We've got all the ballots. They were just put on the wrong truck. Yeah, they were put on the wrong truck, uh, and then the the watermelons ended up at our yeah at the pol- at, at the, the at the ballot counting place <laughs> the facility the facility the, yeah. the, the the it's like it's the town's gap that we just use for political meetings mm-hmm. you know it's an old blockbuster oh yeah th- no that's what it is <laughs> yeah I, I'm sorry I, it, it's an old blockbuster it still says blockbuster but there's going to be proletariat meetings and you know just, all, yeah all, whatever all it's, kind of, it's kind of a community center now yeah, that's yeah. right there's a treadmill. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a fitness center, too. So the watermelons are cleared out. The ballots are in there. We found them. There is, there is, a, there is some bad news, though. We don't know where Zephyr is. We've lost Zephyr. Zephyr the, the pig. The candidate is gone completely. And we went by the farm. Um, his owners apparently have flown the coop, too. That's true. The only, pers- the, only, the only trace of him I could see was a spider web that read, Average pig. <laughs> And I just thought, okay, well, the, the pig has been here at some point because the spiders know about it. Right. But, uh, yeah, so, so we're looking for Zephyr. Everyone keep your eye out for about a 250-pound pig. Or is he – I don't know. I can't – I'm really bad at estimating uh, uh, yeah, pig weight. Yeah, yeah. We, we, in fact, I should issue an apology to Sasha Banks. I said <laughs> right. she was 130 pounds. According to Wikipedia, 112. That's not enough to break a table. And I, yeah, not at Zephyr all. Zephyr could break a table. Zephyr could easily, he could eat a table. Oh, yeah. So, so he's a beautiful pig. However, so he's pig-sized and pig weight. So if you see... Very pig-like. Very pig. So if you see a pig that looks like th- those specifications, that may be Zephyr. It may, or yeah, or it could be another pig. Could be another pig. Yeah, it's true. So it's, it's hard to say, but let us know either way. Well, keep an eye out anyway. If you see any stray pigs. If you see any pigs, World Champion Podcast on Facebook, let us know. Yeah. Comment there. That's the best way to communicate with mm-hmm. us, I think. That's right. Um, but either way, no matter the results of the mayoral election, it's not the end of the world. Or, or is, is it? it? Today, we're going to be talking about the apocalypse, Ragnarok, Gertrude Dimmel, but, but Stein, huh? m- more modernly, nuclear end of the world Holocaust. Yeah. Now, why you you brought, Why did you want to bring up this subject? Well, I I've just been I don't know. I just <laughs> why did I want to bring it up? I don't know. It's always been a really sore subject for me. You had mentioned uh, in one of our private conversations um, that someday you'll be able to listen to in the in the museum. Mm-hmm. Of the podcast. That's right. That you were too young for Cold War paranoia that uh, right. so many generations before us experienced from about 1947 to. Was it pretty much I don't know, immediately? 91? I, I'm guessing. Yeah, I don't know. late, early 90s. The I was Rosenbergs. a little bit too, Yeah, I was a little bit too young to feel the full. I was never actually scared of a, a nuclear bomb for some reason. It just yeah. seemed too far fetched. Oh, see, as a little child, I, I stayed up at night worried about a nuclear bomb. I, I thought it was just going to happen any minute now. I think that was actually normal. Yeah. I really do. I, there was some TV movie, and uh, oh, let me look this up real quick. I believe it was called The Day After, this mini series about nuclear war mm-hmm. that I watched uh, 
it came out in 1983. Okay. So I was very young mm-hmm. when this was on. Too young to really understand what was happening. A wee child. I was a wee child. So too young to know what the hell was going on, but um, old enough to sort of process the, the anxiety of it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get the character development, the drama, or the hope. Just the anxiety. Just the, just the bad part. And my, my interpretation of it, and I was very young, was that nuclear war makes you turn into a statue. Okay. Because I think what happens is after like the big the blow up and all that or something, it's maybe showing an abandoned city. Mm-hmm. I just figured this out on the right over here. Like, oh, that's probably what it was. Okay. Probably just showing an abandoned city and showing the statues within that city. Mm-hmm. But my interpretation was the bombs make you turn into a statue. And that is scary. Those are, those are, those, that's a hell of a bomb. <laughs> right. Well, I thought it like carbon. I, I might be like mixing this up with some sort of Pompeii. Yeah, I was going to say, this seems like a Pompeii. Maybe you just heard about Pompeii also around the I same think this, time. I think these both kind of hit it big around the same time. That's true. So, Pompeii was big when we were kids. And I, yeah, I think that was another uh, miniseries was Last Days of Pompeii. When did they find Pompeii? Did they dig it out when we were kids? Because it seems like it was kind of well-known. And by the way, I want to give a, a shout-out to you for calling it the big blow-up. Like, I'm glad you even used probably a term as a child yeah. that you used. Yeah. The big blow up. You mean up. The, the detonation of a, of a nuclear warhead? Yeah, it's the, the big blow the up. The big blow up. <laughs> it's like a noir picture. <laughs> it is. Uh, the big blow up. <laughs> she was smooth as a statue after the big blow up. Okay, Last Days of Pompeii was a miniseries in 1984. So oh. I think my childish brain is probably mm-hmm. combining these things. And that's, that's, that's an honest mistake. Yeah. So there's that, and then Terminator 2 comes along with that horrifying mm-hmm. nuclear scene, which uh, holds up still as totally horrifying. It really does. Golly. And, and if you're not familiar, it's, uh, is it Linda Hamilton? What's yeah, the actress's Linda name? Linda Hamilton. Her, uh, Sarah Connors. I was, I was going to try to think of her, her character's name, and I was like, forget it. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. It's one of the, the more well-known character names. Yeah. So Sarah Connors, she... She's having a nightmare, right? Yeah, she's having a nightmare that's a vision for what ultimately happens that causes the Terminators to happen. Where or Skynet or no, she's, she's, dreaming, she's dreaming of Judgment Day, the day that yeah, Skynet Judgment attacks. Day, which is the day Skynet attacks. So she's like at a playground looking at downtown Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And then you see a flash and then this wall of fire. that. And then she's holding onto the chain link fence as a skeleton. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, it's not awesome <laughs> at all, my friend. It's horrible. <laughs> Right about the time I saw that movie is when I was discovering rock and roll music, and I, mm-hmm. uh, my dad had a copy of Paranoid by Black Sabbath, oh, and wow. that has a song. War Pigs? Or? Uh, no, it's not War Pigs. It's another one, but it's about a nuclear Armageddon. Well, this is all coming together at the same time. Right, and in that, I think he says, people turn to clay. Oh. So again, I'm back to this thing that, that you turn into some sort of statue when nuclear bombs go off. So in, in, that, in that, that sci-fi movie, why were they statues then? Was it a nuclear bomb or was it something different? No, I, I, it's either that the nuclear bombs went off and it was just showing statues, and I thought those were people that turned into statues, but they were oh, just like monuments. It, it was like the empty city, and then this is right. the statue. Like, oh, the park is empty. There's, yeah. The children sing their songs no more. <laughs> God, a bomb that turns you into a statue. That's pretty or scary. Or I could have been confusing it with, uh, with the Pompeii thing. In any event, I was really did literally lose sleep. Really? And every time I would hear like anything or see like a light of a truck going by, I was like, this is it. 
And I didn't know anything about the geopolitical climate. Right. I just knew that nuclear bombs were going to go off any second. Yeah. It was, it was, I remember that kind of fear. Although I didn't emotionally feel it, I remember it. I remember this being like a real possibility. You think of, and in the 80s, the, the bad guys in every movie were, were the Russians. Yeah. It's like Red Heat especially made a huge impact on me where I was like, oh, they're going to invade. Yeah. Like, and I, I watched Invasion USA, and I'm not even sure who invades in that. With Chuck Norris? Oh, I don't know. It's pretty badass. There's someone doing cocaine at one part, and Chuck Norris hits the back of their head and makes the metal rod they're snorting coke with jam up into their brain. Oh, yeah, that's why you don't do it, kids. You know, and that, yeah. To me, the most terrifying thing when I was nine years old was cocaine because of, like, Lethal Weapon. and That's and, another thing, And yeah. Invasion USA. Yeah. Well, I've told you how I was afraid of rock and rollers. <laughs> <laughs> I was terribly afraid of rock and rollers. Guns N' Roses, who had a song in the T2 soundtrack. That's true. Noted Cokeheads. It all comes together. We're crazy boarding right now. Yeah, that's we true. We are crazy like, boarding, We folks. are really making connections. We're connecting the dots. That's really, yeah, this is, this is getting, we're getting somewhere. So the, I, for, I, don't, I forgot what I was going to say. We're talking about the Russians, and thank God for Chekhov and his adorable mispronunciations, or else. Wessels. Wessels. Yeah. Well, that was, that was like an optimistic view of the world. And that was, God, that, that, the big checkoff scene in uh, Star Trek IV, that was like 1984-ish, 85-ish. Around then, probably. Yeah. It was the same, but it was, that was the only... <laughs> no, it was probably later, actually, huh? It was probably like 86 or 87. Yes, Wrath of Khan was 82. Yeah, it's going to be... So, uh, Star Trek V was 80, 89, so it, it was between 82 and 89. It's the height of the Cold War. You know, you know what's funny is I almost was tempted to say, oh, we're talking about Chekhov from Star Trek, not the Russian playwright. And then I was like, what the? I don't need to make that clarification. <laughs> you might have to make it. Our listeners are like, oh, yes, Chekhov. <laughs> Chekhov, the playwright. What are they talking about, Wessels? <laughs> what is this? Talk? I, don't, I don't recall which of the plays mentions we, we Wessels. Could, we could have been talking about that. Anton okay. Chekhov. We, we might have been talking about that. It's... It just happens to be a goofy sci-fi character, but it could be. <laughs> we're, we're, we're multidimensional men. <laughs> so when the, the bomb drops, what, I, I guess the lucky ones are the ones that are at the point of impact. I was thinking. Yeah, I think that's the idea. Because, cause, okay, the bo- so if you're not in the immediate like, fire... Like, when you, d- you die like Sarah Connors, right? First of all, you turn into a skeleton. You're either, you're either vaporized, depending on how far back you are. Will it actually vaporize I believe matter? Vapor- I believe you're vaporized, yeah. I mean, like we're ni- steam? We're ni- yeah, we're like 97% water, just steam, just like uh, Mars attacks. That's a good way to die, maybe. I don't know. I bet it hurts. Dude, but it is over in less than a second. I'm going to have nightmares tonight. I, always I know. Uh, yeah, Shit. I know. We shouldn't really... We shouldn't be talking we shouldn't about. Be talking about this we at all. So you're be having podcasts. You're either vaporized, or um, then if you're too far back, you just get really sick. And that's the radiation. You either get sick and die in a few days, or if you're further back, you get sick and die in a few years. Uh, I don't know where the statue zone is. Statue zone's probably right past the vapor. But then, if you're lucky to not be involved in the blast and the fallout at all, then you got to live in post-apocalyptic society. Right. And this is what we, we got to get to is, is like rules to live by in the post-apocalyptic world. Well, let's talk about post-apocalyptism. Um, did you know the first post, well, besides, of course, um, religious texts that are, are real big on that. 
You mean like like uh, I mean like the Bible revelations revelations. Yeah, they're uh, they're kind of and like Ragnarok and all that. You're bringing your own baggage to that. Well, the first modern uh, post-apocalyptic fiction is by Mary Shelley from 1826. It's called The Last Man. Wow. Yeah, and it sounds really cool. So the premise is she says in the introduction uh, in a cave near Naples, the Sibyl's Cave, the Cumaean Sibyl was some kind of Roman. Something or not, other. Not the Star Trek character. No, not the Star Trek <laughs> character. Cumaean <laughs> Sybil. She said she discovered a collection of prophetic writings painted on leaves and then edited them, edited them for the current narrative about the last man on Earth living at the end of the 21st century. Wait, what? So she claimed she found the, this prophecy oh, okay. about the end of the world. So Mary Shelley being herself? Yeah. That was like the the fake premise. So this is like the first Blair Witch Project. It was kind of yeah, or like, oh, totally or like War of the Worlds. Yeah, totally like that. Yeah, or, okay, uh, or like uh, Tolkien finding the mm-hmm. the Red Book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, let me tell you about some of the reviews though, because it sounds really interesting. Um, critics uh, derided the very theme of lastness. Really, individual reviewers labeled the book sickening. <laughs> Criticized its stupid cruelties and called the author's imagination diseased. So the world was not ready for post-apocalyptic fiction in 1826. <laughs> and now it's, now it's the number one show on television. That's right. God, was the world a better place, actually? I always think of, of pre-1900, uh, the whole world and the whole history being like this nightmare realm. Because it was before soap and penicillin, basically. Yeah. But what, were people nicer? I doubt it. I mean, this is when children were still working in coal mines. And that's true. This is a very Smogvillian world back then. It was. Yeah. It was. Maybe that's why it sounds so nice and familiar to me. <laughs> that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. You got me back to reality. For a minute, I was like, wow, are we the savages? Uh, then Edgar Allan Poe had a short story called The Conversation of Iros and Charmian that's about two souls in the afterlife as they discuss the destruction of the world brought about by a comet that removed all the nitrogen from the Earth's atmosphere and results in a worldwide inferno. So that sucks. Wow. Do you know, do you know as a, a kid, it's interesting you brought up that comet. As a kid, my favorite, one of my favorite movies was called Night of the Comet. And a, a comet goes by Earth, and it's a big deal. Everyone's like going to go out and watch it like it's a, yeah. an eclipse or something. And anyone that wasn't in a room lined with metal uh, it was turned into red dust. Mm. And so it's like, and it's these like teenagers and it's the end of the world and they're trying to stay alive. And, and then the people that aren't totally turned to dust are turned into mutants oh, wow. trying to kill them. That sounds like uh, Day of the Triffids mm-hmm. where there was this spectacular meteor shower and everyone who watched it went blind. Oh, so the whole is that a movie goes, too? Yeah. So the whole world goes blind. That sounds awesome. Um, except this guy who had eye surgery. So he's like... He's the hero with all these blind people. Also, it made all the plants come to life. <laughs> In what way? Like they eat like, people? There's like big plant monsters. This sounds like a kick-ass movie. It is a kick-ass movie. Day of the Triffids, you I, kidding me? I've never heard of it. Oh, boy. This is kind of blowing my mind that I haven't heard. This sounds amazing. Yeah. That sounds much better than Night of the Comet, which I loved. No, it sounds very similar. It's, uh, it's 1962 based on a 1951 novel. So everyone goes blind. Oh, and, wow. And there's plant monsters. So, well, no, okay, it's not the plants. It's the Triffids themselves are these plant monsters. Are they so aliens they, and they I, look like plants? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's the ticket. There's probably lots of aliens that look like plants if you think about it. Yeah, which we're going to. <laughs> we're going to think about that. 
We're cr- like I said, we're crazy boarding. Um, the first uh, genuine work of post-apocalyptic fiction was called After London, and it came out in 1885. And this is the totally familiar Walking Dead Fallout thing. Oh, okay. So that's the first one. Is um, there zombies in it? There's a sudden and unspecified catastrophe that has depopulated England. Um, the countryside reverts to nature. The few survivors return to a quasi-medieval way of life. And it talks about nature reclaiming London and forests and swamps. And, it's funny and that, then there's an adventure. It's funny that every uh, post-apocalyptic thing post-1945 is nuclear explosion. Before that, I'll bet you it's plague. I'll bet it's the plague. It's plague, yeah. Mary Shelley's one was plague. Yeah. Because um, what else can wipe out tons and tons of people? Yeah, plagues, comets. Uh, the first film was called Five from 1951. This is the first nuclear post-apocalyptic science fiction mm-hmm. film. And then in that one year, in 1951, there was like a bunch of them. It's interesting that I I'd never I loved loved Godzilla movies when I was a little kid and it, I never really understood the subtext of it. Oh yeah, maybe it's not even a subtext. Maybe it's like the straight up message. Yeah, they, I think it's probably text that they're like hammering on your head. Yeah. So, but as a child, I just thought oh, like a giant monster, giant alien, and that's t- the first Godzilla movie. I think is is 1958 maybe. So we're just going over. A little over 10 years after an actual nuclear bomb was dropped on Japan. That's always been so fascinating to me. Yeah. I wonder how that like rewires your whole culture. I mean, we, we think of it in the abstract because we're half a world away. And, right. And, I can't, know, it's unimaginable. Uh, 80 years removed from it now or 70 years. It's, but, it's totally unimaginable. Yeah. Imagine if that was a thing that like your parents were telling you about. Experiencing everyone in the whole city, the entire city was gone. Jeez Louise! Yeah, it's it's unimaginable to yeah. me, and that's why I. That's another reason I find it so fascinating that Godzilla came out of that country and is a really big deal. They they love yeah. like monster kaiju, giant monsters, but it's like this weird twisted coping mechanism or something. Yeah, because it's kind of strange. Can you imagine if after, I guess it would be right now, maybe 12 or 13 years after 9-11, they had a movie and it was like some insane like aliens that were attacking well, you know what the it World is. Trade Center or something? <laughs> right. You know what it is? <laughs> what? Our response to this is all the superhero movies. Oh. We're like, yes, literally aliens really, attacking oh Manhattan. God, it really is. But our coping is we're fine because there's, there's these five people. There's these superheroes. Yeah, that are just going to take care of us. Oh, my God. We're going to be slightly inconvenienced by New York getting obliterated by aliens. But it, it'll all be fine because of, of a guy <laughs> who literally wears a flag for a uniform. <laughs> Oh my God! You're <laughs> blowing my mind right now, because because we're doing the exact same thing as the the Godzilla thing. Yeah, it's identical. Now yeah. that you pointed out, that's yeah, that is tripping me out too hard. <laughs> I got to take a step back and take yeah. a, take a breath because that is crazy. Um, what else, what else? Nuclear stuff. Of course, there's Fallout, the video games. Those are very pleasant. Fallout. I like to play those, although they do make me feel a little bit lonely. Fallout. I feel like, in a weird way, might be the most accurate. Or Mad Max. Yeah, Mad Max probably is the most accurate. And Mad Max, was. my dad was a huge uh, fan of The Road Warrior and Mad Max when I was a little kid. So I saw all those when I was really little. Mm-hmm. And so that, to me, is probably my big, biggest exposure to post-apocalyptic. And, and I don't know. I, I got a bad feeling it's going to be like Mad Max or well, Fallout. And it's probably not going to be nuclear or plague. It's just going to be that we run out of water. Yeah. 
It's going to be something more boring. Yeah. And that was uh, I mean, the Great Salt Lake is uh, you don't even want to know. Mm-hmm. You don't want to look at satellite images of that. It's just, it's just no more. No more. It's already gone. That's no, the Great Salt Pond now. No, they call the, it. This is the Great Salt. It's Soon. just the Great Salt. Yeah, the Great Salt. Bunch of salt. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, Doctor Strange Love is another one I saw way too young. Too young to get the political I saw, satire. I saw it too young as well. Yeah, I thought because, it was an action movie. Because I just thought it was weird. I, 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 I knew Peter Sellers was a bunch of characters, which I thought was weird. But I guess that was before like, Eddie Murphy made it really normal with The Nutty Professor. Before it was really Oh, yeah, mainstream. before he, he normalized it. Yeah, it was still kind of like, why is, why is Peter Sellers all these characters? And then, yeah, I didn't get it. I still don't get it. At the end, the dude sits on the, the bomb, and, and he's riding it like a bucking bronco, waving yeah. his hat. What, is it, what does that mean? Well, I so, missed the point. Well, the plot of it is that this, this rogue general ordered a nuclear strike against Russia, mm-hmm. just on his own, without authorization from the president. Right. Um, they were able to call back the entire squadron, except this one uh, that their radio went out. Oh, so okay. they had no way to communicate with them. So the president's on the phone with Russia saying, hey, we're about to drop some nuclear bombs on you. Mm-hmm. Please don't be mad. And then, and then that like weird fat Russian guy goes and sets off an alarm clock and, and the whole world blows up. Wow. Shitty. It is shitty, man. Yeah. I, watched, I watched a Vice thing about, about nuclear weapons, about Pakistan and, and something else. I, and they, they, I guess the, a nuclear bomb now, it only takes a couple to, to destroy the world now, right? It used to take a bunch, but it's like five now. I don't know. They've gotten a lot better. Yeah. God knows we've, we've put the money into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they better. We better have some effect. Better get some. Yeah. They, these things better really destroy the earth or else I want my money back. Yeah. But it's Mad Max. I don't know. So it's, it's like one of those things where I guess The Walking Dead is a more balanced view because it has people that are compassionate also. Mad Max, everything's just madness. Yeah. And it's terrifying. And, and like, the deep part of me is terrified that's how humanity actually is. Yeah. But, I mean, would it be... But it couldn't be, right? It's not that bad, right? No, no. It'd be more like The Walking Dead. Than, <laughs> it would, ha- it would have Max. some people that were nice, but it would still have cannibals. Or, again, it would be a lot like Fallout, because Fallout has, um, has cannibals, has cannibal yeah. mutants. Yeah. It has, uh, you know, crazy warlike people. Yeah. Then it has an army that's trying to, like, rebuild and have some stability. But more so than that, it has a bunch of people trying to be capitalists. Yeah. And that's almost comforting in a way to know that the capitalism gene is so strong. That at the end of the world. Yeah. They're still going to build a casino. I kind of like that, too. Right? That is weirdly comforting. And maybe it's comforting because we're Americans. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, it just seems like that's how... Because in The Walking Dead, they never really... It's all just about survival. Right. And then there's people who are trying to have a neighborhood and a mayor and just get back to normal. But there's never someone who's like blatantly capitalist, and it feels like that's almost like a stabilizing thing. Like Fallout New Vegas, you can go have a job and make a life for yourself in New Vegas mm-hmm. and spend your bottle caps. I love the bottle caps thing. Yeah. It's really, it's really cool. Now, if the world did end... What, how do you think you would react? Like, like, yeah. I, I, probably the number one thing I fantasize about is me doing some heroic shit. Okay. But I'm also, I, I'm, um, I'm not really in great shape. I'm not particularly mm-hmm. skilled with my hands. I'm mm-hmm. pretty lazy. It's true. 
So I don't know. There is a, a WikiHow article on how to prepare for the apocalypse. And it's nice because it breaks it down into uh, if you have time to prepare, what to do. And then if you don't have time to prepare, well, let's do, like let's, do, let's do don't have time because that's the whole point, right? Um, long-sleeved long sleeved T-shirt and pants. Why? Because the radiation? No, it's just going to get cold, man. Power's going to go out. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. I guess it depends on where you live. Yeah. Smogville's already kind of cold, so it'll be really cold. Yeah. Um, there, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, if you have no time to spare, grab a long sleeve shirt and some pants because uh, you're going to need comfortable clothing and you're going to need to be covered from the elements. Uh, boots and sneakers, if you well, can. What does it mean by grab? Like you're leaving your home? You're not yeah. supposed to just lock all your doors and nail the, the door shut? Well, yeah, because uh, what you're... I don't know. What's going to happen in your home? I guess it depends. I think... I mean, maybe you wouldn't want to stay in the city. Maybe you'd yeah. want to leave. Yeah, and go somewhere where you can hunt deers and stuff. Well, that's um, now. I'd, I'd just starve to death. Like, that's not going to happen. Well, that's what I'm wondering is there's all this stuff. We'll share this article. Um, there's all this stuff on how to survive. Now, I can understand wanting to survive for, say, the year, maybe even, let's say, three years mm-hmm. that it takes for things to get back to normal. But, um, like, long term, like, shit, this isn't what I want. There's no yeah. TV. Everyone I know is dead. It's right. really hard. Right. What's the point? That's a very negative attitude. I guess but... it's to, to rebuild because you watch like The Road. Oh, yeah. I read The Road <laughs> years ago <laughs> and, and then, you know, saw the movie, which is almost more horrible than what I had imagined. Yeah. But I, I guess if you have kids, you'd be fighting a lot. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's, pr- it's really like, I me, do have my cat. Here's the thing. Part of me, th- my dog's already, like, Tugboat would, is ready for the apocalypse. He yeah. already wants to kill everyone. Yeah. So he'd be, gr- he'd be thrilled. He'd be yeah. like, great news. You don't have to hold me back anymore. I can actually kill the people coming to the house yeah. instead of just barking at them. And my cat won't even know there's a problem at all. Oh, right. Or, yeah. don't, or won't care. Yeah. Like, oh, no more humans. Yeah. What a shame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just assumed your cat talked like an evil cat. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. All cats are kind of evil. So, no, what I was thinking is, is would you act like, have you seen the movie This Is The End? It's like yeah. a comedy. I, oh, no, no I've, no. I've seen The World's End, not This Is The End. Or maybe the... That's, that's the Michael Sarah. That's, uh, yeah. that's the one I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. I don't know what any movie's called. Yeah. So I, I kind of, I haven't seen it, but I walked in and out of the room. Like, my girlfriend was watching it, and I watched parts of it. And every, it's no secret, I love... Uh, Kenny Powers. What's that actress? Yeah, da- Danny, Danny, Mc- Danny McBride. Danny McBride. I love Eastbound and Down might be my favorite show of all time. Yeah. <laughs> but Danny McBride starts out like he, he, he's just like hanging out with them. And then by the end, he's, he's like the leader of the cannibals with a skull on his head. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah. No, I've never seen this one. Oh, you haven't? No. So he immediately, as soon as the world's over, he immediately turns evil. He's, yeah. He becomes a cannibal and he's, and he's wears like rib cage on top of his, his coat and like a skull on his head and i laughed so hard when they ran into him like a day later because he's just like this turned he's just totally adapted to it yeah and part of me wonders would i immediately turn evil or would i still have this like or or would i be like uh aragorn in the road and just be despair like it's bleak you're just surviving out of instinct to survive not because you want to live i guess i mean part of it would be like, well, I guess I'm not broke anymore. Yeah. Now that there's no such thing as money. It's true. Like I can still enjoy. That would definitely be a weight enjoy, off my shoulders. Yeah. I can still enjoy sunsets and nice scenery. Okay. 
Or uh, this is sounding better and better. Get a, actually, get a little tribe. You know, maybe maybe it would be maybe it would be freeing. Go God, back to our simple ways. It might be. I, I using read, every part of the buffalo. I read this book called Among the Thugs about yeah, that's about the soccer game. Have you read it? Yeah, I have your copy. Oh, you have my copy. Yeah. So this, this journalist goes in the '80s among the British soccer fans and basically hangs out with them and drinks with them and goes on riots with them. <laughs> yeah. And and about three fourths through the book, he finally really participates in the riot and beating people up and just going completely crazy. And he writes in the book that it is a feeling, he, f- he said he felt like God. He said it was a feeling beyond like drugs and sex. He said it was the best feeling he'd ever had. It was basically going to war, you know, it was attacking other humans. Yeah. But he said once the, every single rule of society was gone, he said he felt so free, he just he felt like invincible. Huh. See, I'm picturing more of a nice agrarian li- lifestyle for me. Not more, the, uh, more not like, the, a, like a farmer. Yeah, not the not being a, a warrior, a so, road warrior. So you're gonna you're gonna be the, the like uh, what's it Tevya? What's his Tev, what's his name in Fiddler on the Roof? Tevya? Is it Tevya? It just sounded weird. I'm not I'm not used to these Russian words. I rarely say them because we are they are the enemy, right? Well, what about Stanislav Yevgrafovich Petrov? Ah, that's my favorite character on Star Trek. September 26, 1983, the Soviet Union gets word that we have launched missiles at them. Twice, two different reports from Wait, Space this United is, States. Wait, this, is, this really it's happened? It's a real thing, yeah. So this guy, Stanislav, is like, hang on. Now his orders, his job was to immediately launch their missiles back at us. Oh my God, really? So they got alarms going off in their bases, incoming missiles. Right. And he's like, wait, 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 just wait, 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 wait. And then they found out it was a false alarm. Holy so if not shit. For, if not for Stanislav, the world would have ended when, before we were five years old. How is he not like a, an American hero? I don't Regardl- know. Regardless of I what know. country, every country hero. Yeah. He's, a, he's a very obscure bit of trivia. He, and he literally might be the most important person that's ever lived. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. My God. Let's say his name one more time. Let's give him a little respect. Stanislav. Yevgrafovich Petrov. Wow. Un- unsung hero, if there ever was one. Yeah, he's, uh, he's retired. He's 77 years old, lives in Vladivostok. No, born in Vladivostok, lives in, uh, I don't know. Another Russian Another place. Another Russian place. But yeah, he, he realized that the uh, system was malfunctioning. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> that, kind of, that kind of freaks me out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. <laughs> well, what do you want to hear? I, I, when, we, when you said the big blow up, all I could think of is the big blow your speakers. So Blow Your Speakers is my journey to become a heavy metal elitist one album at a time. And... Uh, the other night, this is a part of what spawned me wanting to talk about the nuclear end of the world, was that I, I, I listened to this band called Barrel White, like, uh, yeah. like, uh, like a ghost. What's a white? Like a, I, th- I thought a white was like, a like zombie? an animated skeleton, a zombie type thing. Okay, like a Sarah Connors sort of holding on to the chain link fence. Yeah, thing. that's what I'm picturing when so, I'm picturing a white. So Barrel White is this band. They sound a lot like the late 80s. I mean, late 70s band Venom. 
And I was listening to him, and I was like, oh, these guys are awesome. And their theme is, is all Lord of the Rings, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I put the headphones on my girlfriend. I'm like, check out Barrel White. I'm like, they're a Lord of the Rings metal band. She starts listening to it and starts laughing because she thinks it's goofy, which is a testament to how hard I've been working at listening to metal. Because I thought it sounded cool. <laughs> yeah. But she was like, oh, no, I don't like this. And then you didn't like it either. I just I didn't like the production. I thought that's what I, I liked. I might about like it. the song, the songwriting, but the production. The production like. is what kind of. I what thought I, it was too wet. It's kind of what I liked about it. It was pretty awful, but but anyways, the the the, the point I'm getting to is she, after I said this is a Lord of the Rings themed metal band, she said, "How many Lord of the Rings themed metal bands are there?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I I burst into laughter, and then I said a lot. There is a lot, <laughs> but then I started thinking about in the in the '80s, all the thrash metal bands were all into nuclear war. Every band was like like the the the, the Megadeth album "Rest in Peace" that I talked about. Yeah. The title track is from the point of view of a nuclear warhead missile, right? Which is creative. Like that's kind of that's really cool actually, but weird. But ev- that shows how how into to uh, the the idea of a nuclear bomb dropping there was. So I was I wanted to talk about a band who who was really into that theme, and that's well that's every band. So I, I was going to talk about the Chromags, Age of Quarrel, but after last week talking about metalcore, I thought. Chromags are, are considered New York hardcore, and yeah. it's a little too punk rock. So I was thinking, I've got to have more than one recommendation. So I'm, I'm going to say Chromags, Age of Quarrel, which is basically like a, a hardcore band that kind of sounds metal, which I mean... Are, they are a Krishna band? The singers... Do you know what? I, I want to mention that too, because one of the reasons I'm a vegetarian is because of this, the singer of this band. He's the one that wrote Meat is for Pussies. Okay. His name's John Joseph. He's a vegan, like, Iron Man triathlon guy who's also in these hardcore bands. But he's, he's a Hare Krishna, and he's a, veg- he's a vegan, and, and he also sings about, you know, he takes his shirt off and screams, basically. Sings, and he screams. Yeah. But I, I saw the Cro-Mags in California a few years ago with one of my buddies. It was, it was amazing. And they played this album from, like, I think they played the whole album. I think it's one of those shows where they play it from beginning to end. And so the and then but like I said, I don't want to bombard everyone with with hardcore and punk when we're talking about metal. And so yeah. I, I needed a, a backup. And I, and the backup is uh, Nuclear Assault is the name of the band, and the album's called Game Over. And they, <laughs> my face was melting listening to them this well, week. Well, that's the idea, I guess. Oh, they they shred so hard. So thrash, they're thrash metal, which is kind of. It's fast and very. It's it's like, I don't know. They they take the punk rock speed and then add technical like quickness, like Megadeth, Metallica, Slayer. There's like tons of thrash metal bands, and they're huge in the '80s. But the the main reason I wanted to to recommend both albums, Chromag's Age of Quarrel, and uh, Nuclear Assault Game Over is both albums came out in 1986, and both albums the cover of the album is a a nuclear mushroom cloud. Mm-hmm. The Chromax covers an actual photo yeah. of an, a, a mushroom cloud. The uh, nuclear assault cover is people running out of a city where there's a nuclear cloud, like mushroom cloud, because everyone's dying and they're all melting too. Have you seen that uh, f- iconic photo of downtown Las Vegas with the mushroom cloud in the background? 
I don't know. When they were doing the tests, we'll put that up there too. It's yeah, really throw amazing. that up. I'll throw up some links to some some metal about about the end of the world. Any um, uh, garbage pail kids you'd recommend? Yeah, I'd say Adam Bomb. Oh, okay. Or uh, God, what's his twin's name? Oh, I don't remember. I only remember Adam Bomb. Oh my God, it's I'm ashamed of myself. But I like that you have two Adam Bomb vinyl toys on your mantelpiece I have a giant, different sizes. Yes, I have a giant atom bomb. I have a smaller atom bomb. I have the actual card of atom bomb in a in like a, one of those... Oh, yeah, you just bought that, right? I bought it at the Garbage Pell Kids Fest in oh, Vegas. Yeah, yeah. In New Vegas, as I call it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so I, I got a whole Garbage Pell Kids area, but I'm, I'm, I love atom bomb, of course. Everyone does. Yeah, let's, let's post some Adam Bomb photos. Let's let's post Garbage Pail Kids. Let's post heavy metal albums. Let's post uh, actual photos of bombs. We got this. We got this covered. I, I really quickly want to recommend one of my favorite books. Definitely my favorite nuclear book, A Canticle for Leibowitz, mm-hmm. which is a sci-fi book from 1960 that has the distinction of being post-apocalyptic, pre-apocalyptic, and apocalyptic. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I'm about a third through it. Oh, so you're still in post. I must be. I didn't realize it would change. That's interesting. Yeah, there's three three stories that all take place about 500 years apart. Oh, wow. And the first one takes place 500 years after a nuclear devastation. Well, that's the one I'm in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's a very much Mad Max. Do you know what? It's very much Fallout. Fallout might have yeah. got it the best. Yeah. Of all this stuff, it's Fallout, maybe. Totally. Which is a video game, in case. <laughs> I, know we're, we're, I know we're talking to a very uh, Anton Chekhov-centric audience. It's true. Who probably wouldn't be bothered with video games, but... God, who are we even talking to? I don't, I don't know. I, like, I no don't one know. knows what we're... They must listen to this and go, like, do you want to hear what two mentally ill people sound like? Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, <laughs> who talk about clowns, stuff yeah. that, <laughs> that nobody knows? Yeah. Here, listen to these clowns. Check out, check out these we have, a, we have a lot of Japanese listeners, but over there it's called the, the Two Clown Ham Radio Hour. <laughs> You know, and it's like the, and, and, and clown is much, much more polite than the actual, like, what we are. Yeah. Like, clown is kind of an insult to clowns, to be honest. <laughs> Absolutely. Even juggalos, maybe, insult to them.